everyone, and welcome to Pre-Snap Read, formerly Bet Less, Make More. I'm your host, Michael James, here today talking about NFL fantasy football tight ends. Wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, all up on the board. This is our last scoring position player, and it's your last typical base fantasy football player up on your board. Beyond this, everything else we're going to go through is a mixture for fantasy purposes and analysis, top rankings, player of player, position of position, all the way through the league. Not as much, not specifically for fantasy purposes as today and the day's previous event. So if you've missed out yet, go to the website, thepresnapread.com, get the information we've already put up on QBs, running backs, and wide receivers. Today, tight ends, the last of the major group, the last of the big-time point scores. And with the talent and opportunity in front of them, this may be a huge year for tight ends. A lot of touchdowns waiting for them on the field this 2017 season. We start at number one with the guy who's typically number one, regardless of the analysis, regardless of any matchups, talking Rob Gronkowski. Now, yeah, I might have just put him at number one for the simple fact that he is the Gronk. That's not to say there isn't other highly talented, highly productive tight ends out there like Greg Olson or Jimmy Graham, the other two who finish out our top three for this 2017 campaign. But Gronk earns that top spot typically year in, year out. The only thing that can really hold him back is himself. And saying that, it's not a matter of off-the-field stupidity. It's health. It is his health that can hold him back, and that's really about it. In years past, he might have been number one, maybe number two in your league, in your draft, because he's had harder matchups or there have been reasons, shared time on that field, stronger depth of talent around him, sharing the ball more with other players. This year, none of those really play a factor. The run game situation, which you do have to take into account for tight ends. We talked about it with wide receivers, talked about how you want to see a little bit of balance if not favoritism towards the passing game. But you still have to have some sort of complementary weapons. Good second-tier guys that do not distract or take away from that number one dude. At tight end, you're not worried about the third, fourth, fifth tight end like you would be at wide receiver maybe on a team that's very deep, very strong at the, re- at the receiver position because you're not going to see three, four tight ends on the field at a time. At most, usually two. Three, but when you see three tight ends, that is, if ever used, going to be a short yardage or goal line situation where the team's probably running the ball. So, two tight ends. Maybe one that you have to be concerned about sharing time as far as tight ends go. But you're looking at this tight end, this player, as another receiver. You have to analyze him as such but you have to take a greater amount of count in for the run game of the team. Because that tight end is a dual responsibility. That player is both an operating offensive lineman helping set up blocks for the run game, as well as a receiver working with the outside guys to make big plays downfield. And hopefully in the red zone, in the end zone. Gronk, on our board number one, has the right balance of things you want to see. He's got some decent weapons around him. 
and just enough depth to keep him honest so opposing defenses aren't going to line up four guys on him. They have to be aware of other players like Brandon Cooks and Julian Edelman, but it's not so deep with such equal talent at such a high level that Gronk isn't going to get his receptions. He likely will be the number one receiving option on the team, despite the addition of Brandon Cooks and all the speed he brings coming from that slot position. He'll likely be the number one despite Julian Edelman, who's been the steadfast top wide receiver on the team for some years now. Really, ever since Wes Walker moved on and closed out his career very shortly as a Denver Bronco. Behind the two of them and Gronkowski, it's Dwayne Allen, Malcolm Mitchell, slot receivers or slot backs, James White and Deion Lewis. And that's not a huge cliff down in talent, but it's a serious tier. You're talking about third tier guys with Edelman and Cooks really being those 1B or second tier options. For this, Gronk is worth at least 80 upwards of 90 receptions on a year and probably 1,000 yards plus. No matter what the situation is, no matter what kind of opponents he sees, on this particular year where he's not going to spend too much time setting up run blocks as the team who was 7th in the league in rushing last year, putting up 117 rushing yards per game, will likely take a huge step back off the running game as they will be missing LeGarrette Blunt. Blunt, now part of the Philadelphia Eagles. They haven't really found a replacement in New England. They're leaning on Mike Leslie. Chances are that run game, at best, is going to be somewhere in the low teens to 20s as far as ranking and produce maybe around 90 to 100 yards per game. Less usage of the run game is less time Gronk is out on that field setting up blocks. That's more time and more opportunity he has to be getting receptions. And the beauty of a person like Gronk is regardless of whether he's blocking or receiving, he's at least on that field. This is not a scenario where he is the specific joker or receiving tight end, and when they are running, he's off the field and a different tight end's out there. The danger in a situation like that, even though that might be a, a designated receiving tight end, and that for fantasy purposes is what you want, is that sometimes, even if the plan is to run the ball, audibles will move to a passing uh, attack instead, and now your guy, your tight end, your receiver tight end, is not on that field, the blocking tight end is instead, and he might get a few yards here and there. Even your dudes at this position who, for the most part, are specifically blocking guys will pick up 100 to 150, maybe 200 yards on a season. They'll get a touchdown or two, and that's all taking away from the productivity that could be going to that number one guy, the guy that's on your fantasy roster. With Gronkowski, you don't really have to worry about that situation. You don't have to worry about it too much because he's a really solid, balanced tight end. He is an all-pro future Hall of Famer at his position because he really can do everything and do it pretty well. He doesn't get taken off the field much, if ever, at all. Health, the lack thereof, is really the only scenario where you see him sitting the bench. So you know he's going to be on that field. You know the team's not going to be rushing as much or as often as what they were last year. Not with Blunt gone, not with a whole lot of reliable options in that backfield to work with. They're going to be a passing 
offense, dominant, 60% plus easy. I would venture up to 70% of their play call and their usage on that field is going to be passing game. And he is the prominent receiver. All of this plays into his favor, which is why like a, a guy like Gronk isn't just going to go for his 80 receptions and maybe get 1,000 yards. He's looking upwards of 1,300 on the season for about a 16.5 average. And somewhere in the ballpark of eight, maybe upwards of 10 touchdowns. What also helps him out is his schedule. Other tight ends we're looking at, dudes like Graham, like Olsen, they'll see a slightly tougher schedule. Gronk, uh, maybe 1A, 1B with Kobe Fleener of New Orleans, has the easiest schedule of any tight end in the league. Think about that a second. A dude as balanced and as great as he is in an almost perfect scenario on his own team is also going to be getting the easiest matchup scenario schedule-wise of anybody at his position. If ever there's a lock to use Gronk in any point during his career, it is this season. And again, the one asterisk to all this is can he stay healthy? Can he play the full 16? That has not always gone his way. It's not always been very easy. When he's on that field, this is a dude who can go 100, 150, maybe more. Get a couple touchdowns per game. Sometimes it's hard to get him on that field, though. Sometimes the health does not permit. He stands healthy. He has a hell of a schedule in front of him. Only three games, maybe, of any real concern whatsoever as far as matchups go. Four at the tops. And that's Casey, who they open the season against. Because he will be seeing one of the top safeties in Eric Berry and one of the top corners in Marcus Peters. And if either one of them is assigned to him with a little bit of help, they may not necessarily shut him down, but it's going to be a hard-fought day where he may not see the triple digits. Week two at New Orleans may not be as rough, but it's at least worth noting that this is a pretty decent safety group. Not a great corner group, but a really decent safety group. Von Bell of Ohio State showed up pretty well as a rookie last year. They have Kenny Vaccaro, the leader, the veteran in that defensive backfield. And they drafted Marcus Williams, formerly of Utah, one of the better safeties in this draft. So even if they don't get a whole lot of help from their corners, which they do have arguably the best corner from this previous draft in Marshawn Lattimore, also from Ohio State, played there with Von Bell two years ago. Lattimore's a rookie. Williams is a rookie. Bell in his second year. Vicaro, the veteran, 25 years of age. It's a young, talented, up-and-coming defense backfield group led by this three-headed monster at safety now with Marcus Williams in the midst. So, not as stout, not as dominant, not future Hall of Famers like Peters maybe, and Barry is certainly looking like he's on his way to becoming. But it's still a defense backfield, a safety group in particular, worth noting. And then lastly, Oakland and Denver from the West. Now, Denver's always been a solid defense backfield group. They still have one of the best trios at corner and a keep to uh, excuse me a keep to leave 
Bradley Roby, and Chris Harris, as well as safeties Darian Stewart and T.J. Ward to help out. So again, may not shut Gronkowski down entirely, but this may be one of the best defensive backfield groups he meets. To Oakland, you have guys here who can actually match up with Gronkowski, not just in skill set, but in size as well, where they have one of the biggest corners in the league in Sean Smith at 6'3 and 220, and now one of the biggest safeties in the league with the rookie out of UConn, Obi Melifonwu, the athletic freak at 6'4 and 224, who plays like an undersized corner as far as speed and abilities go. Out of the mix, Reggie Nelson, Carl Joseph, the first-round draft pick from West Virginia last year, Gary Conley, another top-tier corner from Ohio State, Oakland's first-round draft pick, and David Amerson, and there's a lot of talent in that defense backfield. Those are the headaches awaiting Rob Gronkowski, and it may sound like a lot with all the names they're throwing out and the top type and top players we're mentioning, but that is weeks one and two, which is KC and at New Orleans, week 10 at Denver, week 11 at Oakland. That's only four games. The other 12 games of Gronkowski's schedule for this season, for his matchup, player-to-player or players, is damn near a cakewalk. Houston, Carolina, at Tampa Bay, at the Jets, who they see twice a year in division, Atlanta and Los Angeles Chargers finish up the first half of their season before New England goes on the bot. There is not a single top-level corner nor a safety who on their own can match up on Gronk and shut him down. And if you look through those rosters thoroughly, you're going to have a hard time finding any combination of two who, if they were both paired on him, sandwiching the big guy all day long, could shut him down with any sort of thorough productivity. Out of that bye, we talked about Denver and Oakland. Miami, who they see twice a year. Buffalo, who they see twice a year. Both of those, all four of those games on the back end, as well as the second Jets game, and Pittsburgh. None of them have the quality of defensive backfield in safety in corner, nor linebackers that can drop in coverage and match up against Gronk. There isn't the player who can shut him down. So every one of those 12 games is an opportunity to go triple digits and pick up scores. With that kind of scenario in front of him, that schedule, the skill set he already has, and the situation within his own team in usage and talent around him and their usage, nobody else this season is so perfectly set up. It's hard to argue in favor of a tight end being a first-round draft pick. Not when you need running backs so bad and they go quick and early. Not when you want to make sure you get one of the top quarterbacks or maybe even a top receiver like Julio Jones. Talking about him last week. But there is certainly, has to be, at least in this season, an argument that if you're at the back end of that first round and the top five, six running backs, maybe top 10 are already gone. If you have a deep fantasy football league, 15, 20 teams. If those top 10 running backs are gone, top three, top five quarterbacks are gone. Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, top two or three receivers are already gone. Gronk has to be on your radar because this is a tight end 
in a nearly perfect situation with everything working to his favor that he could produce at almost the same level as some of those top-tier receivers we talked about last time. Gronk has to be the number one, regardless of what you might favor as a fan, guys like Jimmy Graham or Greg Olson. Despite what Olson was able to do last year, solid performance for Carolina. It's been a solid performer them for a long time since coming for over from Chicago. For what these two players have, still worthy of our top three, there is a cliff from the productivity we're expecting of Gronkowski at 1,340 yards, 81 receptions, and 8 touchdowns, to Jimmy Graham, 200 yards less on the season, 4 receptions less. Looking at maybe the same amount of scores, to down again to Greg Olson, who from Gronkowski is on our board a full 340 yards under, almost 10 receptions, maybe looking about the same touchdowns. Your top three players, all elite players, all serious contenders for future Hall of Fame. But Jimmy Graham, with the schedule they're going to have for Seattle, that division always pretty rough. San Francisco making some moves and improving. Arizona's always a threat. Then you have Green Bay, whose defensive backfield, certainly safety-wise, is pretty strong. Added some more depth this last year. Tennessee did a lot to improve its team. The Giants have one of the better defensive backfield groups, as we talked about when running them down on our power rankings board. Washington, you're talking about Josh Norman back there, one of the top corners in the league. Arizona, we mentioned. San Fran, we mentioned. Hell, even Jacksonville with guys like Jalen Ramsey. One of the better defensive backs, young up-and-comer, who can play corner or safety and could match up well against the tight end. Seattle, Jimmy Graham, Greg Olson with Carolina simply don't have the schedule favor on top of their talent and productivity that you would normally expect that Gronkowski has. So though they are certainly viable options at tight end, they are going to be worthwhile picks in third, fourth, fifth rounds. They're not on that same level. Not for this season. Not even close. Going deeper into your tight end rankings. Other guys you might want to consider. Sleepers is really a hard way of putting it. They're not really sleepers. And in fact, at tight end, there really isn't such a thing as a sleeper. Again, you're probably going to have one of these guys per team. It's, it's almost no different than grading out quarterbacks. Only a couple teams have two dudes you might want to consider. Like New England or Dwayne Allen. If you miss on Gronkowski, could be a good handcuff. Or if you get Gronkowski, could be a good handcuff, I should say. Beyond your starting tight ends for the 32 teams, there's going to be few and far in between that are actually worth a look. In total, we graded out 55 tight ends. So not even a full two per team average. And in there, you've got to go really deep to find anybody who might be of any value beyond the top 32. Somebody like Michael Roberts of Detroit, a rookie, may be used as a red zone option because of his receiving ability and the kind of uh, scores he put up while with Toledo. 
Don't know that that's necessarily going to translate this rookie year for him. We talked about it a little bit when analyzing Detroit in our power rankings. But if you've got to go deep, deep to find a tight end, maybe there's somebody there. Clive Wolford of Oakland, who seems to have lost that starting job to Jared Cook, free agent that the team signed, could be somebody worth a look as well. But this is going pretty deep. You're not really going to find viable sleepers the way we talk about a sleeper at running back or wide receiver, a guy who you might be looking at 10th, 15th round if your draft is that deep, a guy at a position where your top 30, top 40 players are already taken, and you're still looking for somebody to save your ass. Here, maybe the best option is look towards the younger players, rookies and second-year players who opposing defenses around the league haven't quite figured out yet. Of our three sleepers, I keep using that phrase again, I wouldn't really call it sleeper. Don't know what else to really refer to this trio as, though. These are players that are likely going to be undervalued and underdrafted. And if you're smart about it, you hop on them. You pick up some solid production. Austin Hooper, the Falcons, is the one veteran-ish player of the trio. A second-year player now with Jacob Tamey gone. There really is no question that this is his team as far as tight end goes. That's what they drafted him for out of Stanford, and he showed up pretty well last season. He wasn't an elite tight end in the league, but he had some good moments, good enough that the team feels like they can start with him, or rather make him their start. With the huge advantage Falcons are going to have, and we've discussed it throughout every single fantasy ranking, Matt Ryan at quarterback, with Devontae Freeman at running back and Julio Jones at wide receiver, with the advantage the Falcons are going to have, offense to opposing defenses, Austin Hooper has to be a guy on your radar. He could be worth upwards of 1,000 yards. We're looking at 990 on the season, 81 receptions, and about 7 touchdowns, a 12.2 yard per reception average. And that might be underselling it a little bit. Because looking at the depth chart of receiving options, he could very easily finish the season as number two behind Julio Jones of all players on that offensive squad on a team with Matt Ryan at the helm that could easily throw for 4,500 plus on the season. The other two at tight end, both rookies, are O.J. Howard of the Buccaneers and David Njoku of the Browns. Now that's not to say that they are the only rookies worth a look. In fact, there are a lot of worthwhile rookies this season who are going to see substantial time and productivity in this first year in the league. Jordan Leggett is another guy we have already hit on when we talked about the New York Jets as our number 32 team. First team out of the gate, going from bottom to top. That He is one of limited offensive weapons worth a mention, and with the equally limited strength of leadership and quarterback on that team, whoever is at the helm for this group is going to be looking to the tight end early and often as a get-out-of-jail-free card. Leggett could very easily be awarded quite a bit from that. But despite the productivity we might expect from him, maybe somebody like Jake Butt, if he's healthy, able to play, could start for Denver on a team that has a lot of tight ends, but nobody really worth a shit. 
and Gerald Everett for the Rams, who had Tyler Higby they got from Western Kentucky last year, but that didn't work out so well. Everett easily can come in and take that starting gig. All of these guys are viable options as rookies, but none of them beat out O.J. Howard and the Buccaneers, who like Hooper with the Falcons as the tight end for the Bucs. We expect he very easily could outshine Deshaun Jackson at wideout to be the number two receiving option on the team just under Mike Evans. With Howard, we're looking at 855 yards, around 80 receptions and eight touchdowns. So though you lose a little bit in yardage on our board from what you would pick up from Austin Hooper, you gain likely an extra score on the season. There's arguments that can be made either way for either one of these two players being over the other, and it really comes down to how your league scores and how it scores tight ends. Behind the two of them, the other rookie, David Njoku of the Browns, 800 yards for him, nine touchdowns. So again, losing a little bit more yardage, Losing some receptions as well, looking at about 70 receptions for him versus 80 or 81 for Howard and Hooper, but you score an extra touchdown. With the balance between any one of these three players, all of them, it's a shell game as to which one might end up in front of the other. All three have equal value as a quote-unquote sleeper in this position in your league this season. They'll all be undervalued. None of these guys are going to be first or second round draft picks. They're not going to be high grabs. So if you need a tight end and the top receivers are gone, you're solid in other positions already like running back and QB, do not feel afraid to go and grab one of these kind of guys that could go eight, nine, maybe a thousand yards on the season and get you anywhere between seven to upwards of 10 touchdowns. They have that ability. Their schedule favors them enough, especially with Hooper, the Falcons. Their usage on their team favors them. With David Njoku, with the Browns, even as a rookie, he could prove to be the top receiving talent on that team. And with an up-and-coming offensive squad with the balance they have that O.J. Howard's expecting with the Buccaneers, opponent defenses are going to spend their time on Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, which leaves Howard in a very open spot with Jamie Swinston at the helm. Expect Howard to certainly get somewhere close, if not over, the 855 and 8 touchdowns we're talking about for this rookie campaign of his out of Alabama, now playing for the Buccaneers. All three have tremendous value, and they are not even the top three players. They are not Gronkowski, Grammer Olsen, or any of the slew of talented players behind them, Travis Kelsey, Delaney Walker, Martellus Bennett, Tyler Eifert, Kobe Fleener. There is a lot of talent. This draft reinfused this position in a massive way. And you will see veterans and rookies all become bigger, better, stronger, more productive this season than maybe what this positional group has been in the last several years since the 2010, I believe it was, 2010 draft where guys like Graham and Gronkowski came in. All right. Up next, we talk offensive line. Moving on, you have your scoring groups. If you've missed any of the information we put up, again, mentioned it earlier, go to the website, thepresnapread.com. 
Quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and now tight ends are all there ready and waiting for you. We'll be going to O-line next, talk about the breakdowns of what to expect from this group. It is good information to have, even if all you're looking for is for fantasy rankings, because it will give you a better idea as to which of these offenses and which players, of course, in those offenses are going to produce and produce at a high level. Who's going to have better protection in front of them? Which O-line groups are going to be able to set up the running lanes you want for your running backs? From there, we go into defense, D-line, linebackers, and defensive backs, closing out with team defense and kickers, all rolling out in the next few weeks as we get ready for preseason just about a month away. I'm Michael James, as always, saying thank you for tuning in. Stick with us. A lot we're going to get to yet this offseason, and we'll see you next time.